Eric returned with some little bottles which he placed on the mantelpiece, and again in a whisper so as not to wake Monsieur de Chagny, he said to the Persian after feeling his pulse, You are now saved, both of you, and soon I shall take you up to the surface of the earth again, to please my wife. <laughs> Part two team, the end, the end game after the infinity war of this thing that we're doing. Exactly. We are. It'll only yeah. be as long as one of those. So yeah, no, we're great. Um, I was going to. So where did we, they were about to drown. They were screaming and about to drown. They were the screaming. They were about to drown. And then Rose unlocks the gate and they are able to rush mm -hmm. up uh, into the stairwell. Chapter 27, the end of the Phantom's love story. Okay. Now, when we say the words love story. <laughs> it's not the way Taylor Swift says it in her song, Love Story. It's different. It's I mean, energy. there's some elements that are similar. Uh... <laughs> yeah. So at this point, the Persian's written account breaks off abruptly. Um. So the written account, we've been reading, I guess, this guy, like, has, the Persian has written down his account, but at this point it breaks off, and now we get a little um, journalism corner with yeah, the Yeah, he too had a sparkle journal that he wrote the other things in, yes. but now this is, like, yeah. Yeah, his WordPress it, it's, stops. It's guest on the road from NPR is back. Exactly. And so they were saved uh, by Christine Dyer with a act of supreme devotion. But in order to get the tea, we have to go to the lips of the Daroga himself. When I so he finds him. So the narrator is telling the story. This has happened years before. What is it, like 30 years? And so he the narrator goes to his house. He's still on the he has an amazing rent-stabilized apartment on the Rue de Rivoli, opposite the Tuileries. Yes. And I'm like, damn. As he should. Location, location, location. How does he have his money? Uh -huh. Is it from, like, being the Daroga? Or do we well, think Rick yeah. was paying him? So, no, flash forward, he, like, got everything stripped by, like, the Persian government was like, we're not fucking happy with you, but you can still keep your pension. So it must have uh, been a real, nice. must have been a real good pension. It's not some kind of stimulus ass. Remember the stimulus? Oh, I miss mm. that. Anyway, no, he's, I guess he's still getting, like, he cooks at home. He budgets. Yes. Whatever. He he has a great apartment, and he's in a robe. His head was completely shaved, and on it, he ordinarily wore an astrakhan fez. It's giving Daniel Day-Lewis with his head shaved, first of all. Um, <laughs> and he's kind of like, he's, quote, not a well man, um, ethically dubious to interview someone like this. So already we have yeah, now we like, have another layer of like dubious like truth because like not only is he interviewing the Persian about what happened to Christine, but also like years have passed. Many years ago. Yeah. But his mind was clear as a bell. I guess. He could not remember his ordeal without being agitated, and it was bits and pieces that I got him to relate the amazing Fair. conclusion of this strange story. So he's just like he's on autopilot. So it's very like the part of a movie where it's like the journalist or the the police interviewer is asking like the questions and then it kind of fades into just a beautiful story for the ages like atonement at some time stirred by his memories he would volunteer information without any prompting from me 
he's just like me, and paint a startlingly vivid picture of the fearsome Eric. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And the terrifying hours he and the Viscount de Chani had spent in the house by the lake. Talk, say more about him just laying down. Hair-raising adventure. Oh, boy. Uh, a real Nickelodeon network after school feeling to the whole shebang. So the Persian wakes up on a bed. I know that's right. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm cursed. <laughs> Raoul stretched out on the couch. An angel and a demon were watching over them. I could be your angle or your demon. <laughs> and so they're in literally the, like, the living room. Yeah. After all the mirages and illusions they had faced in the torture chamber, the orderly detail of that small, neat, civilized salon seemed like another trick designed to disorder. Whatever. The point is that in the public domain version, Alexander Texier de Matos translated all that as middle class, which I just thought was uh, very funny. And then, and then it's IKEA corner, kind of. Only it's it's not IKEA sounding, but it's it's yes, it's something. The long strassa bed, the <laughs> the mom chairs, the... the seashells have been collected. Right, little mother of pearl boats. Does Rick collect miniature boats? That's charming. A, an ostrich egg, like like what's going on? I, here? it's a, it's actually giving my high school room. I just you know I had to get like a snow globe with a killer whale in it, mm-hmm. or like whatever the fuck was at the Ren Fair. There were always dolphins at the Ren Fair. Who can say why? I had all this random shit in my room, and it made me very happy. And I'm like, oh, that's Rick. You just, yeah, yeah. To find it there in the lower depths of the opera house was far more disturbing than all the fantastic things they had experienced. Okay. So, like, I imagine it's kind of like, like, there's, like, elevator music playing. And he's like, okay, I just experienced, like, the Rainforest Cafe thunderstorm. So what is going on here? Yeah, they just seriously thought they were about to die. And now they're at, like, someone's grandma's house, you know? So Rick's sturdy arms definitely lifted them out of the, uh... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In that neat, prissy setting, the figure of a masked man seemed all the more unnerving. The man leaned forward and whispered in the Daroga's ear, because of course he fucking did. Of course he Rick! Did. Feeling better, Daroga? You are wondering about the furniture. My wretched mother's. It's all I have left of her. So that's Unfortunately, cool. Unfortunately, Susan Kay did not build her empire on nothing, fam. No, it, this is also she his. Built it on this is the prenuptial rooms, isn't it? Oh my god! Either the prenuptial rooms or the execution chamber. Yeah, multifunctional, just like a, a classic railroad apartment sort of a thing. <laughs> Freud absolutely vibrating. Um, <laughs> uh, Christine's there, but she's not speaking, and she's not really making any sound, and. She, like, mm. brings the Persian, like, uh, like a warm cup of wine, which is very nice. But she's not saying shit. She's, she's been through it. Yeah. And Raoul's sleeping. So that's cool. Yeah. <gasps> Raoul, like, you He's sleeping. We mustn't wake him. You probably couldn't. Because you know how I'm just thinking of, like, a frat boy that it's, like, really hard to wake up. That's Raoul. He's out. Yeah. But it's like, really, dude? Like, you can sleep... Like, some people are like, I could sleep anywhere. Like, this is where you can sleep? I wonder if... I don't know if he's really sleeping, actually. I wonder if it's like... They're, like, drugging them with the the wine. Eric is not a reliable narrator. then... No. Eric goes out. Christine does a very motherly, like, hand-on-the-forehead moment, but still says nothing. But she's, she's watching him. She's watching him to make sure they're okay. Yeah. And so then Eric 
feels his pulse uh, <laughs> and is like, you're safe now. Soon I will take you back up to the surface. A gesture to please my wife. Which, okay, it the whole novel, it's really funny in the public domain version because everything in italics is in all caps. There's just nothing like the, my wife. I mean, it's, it is. I can't not make a Borat joke. It is. I've never seen a Borat movie, but. I've seen um, one of them. My wife. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's every time I revisit this now, unfortunately, I've just got to think of that. Without any further explanation, he stood up and went out again. Of course. He said, my wife, mic drop, and then just left. He was like, haha, like, can't wait to see his face when I tell him about my wife. Uh, do you, you can still hear the natural, a, easy tone of the voice with which Eric had said, thinking, my wife. It doesn't sound natural and easy. And then Christine sits there and like visibly does a Bible study. Yeah, she like, is Christ. But Here's the thing. So uh, longtime listeners of Pod might know about this. There is a Christian version of the Phantom of the Opera that a church did. And it's actually quite wonderful. Um, it is very insane but it's also like wild and so they make all these they take all these like stories in the public domain and they put them uh to bible stories or scripture or whatever and they have a phantom that is basically larue phantom and in this version obviously eric is satan um yeah and well, she did say satanic love yes, so sure but eric is satan raul is jesus christ and Christine is humanity. But here's the thing. Christine is the Christ figure. If we're going to... Speak on it. <laughs> is there anyone in the story who maybe has the letters that spell Christ like in their name, perhaps? Mayhaps. I can't tell. Maybe the Daroga. Um, No, she's the Christ figure. She, <laughs> she forgives. She makes the ultimate sacrifice for Ooh, humanity. Sacrifice! Like, are you fucking kidding me? So I don't know. It just frustrated me because like it is a, um, it is a Christian version of Phantom, which does not need to necessarily happen. But if you were to ascribe Christianity to this, she's the she's the Christ figure. She is literally reading the imitation exactly. of Christ right now. Yeah, which having been involved in many a youth group production, it's like okay, there's a lot of there's actually a lot of plays that you can do that either are specifically written for you or don't require, like you can do a Jane Austen and not change it. Like I, I would argue that it changes the story quite a bit. If Christine, if Christine's sacrifice is not the thing in the end that kind of, you know, yeah. her sacrifice is very crucial to the story, I think, but, or Raul saves her. It's fine. Well, as like, the Bible says, then Jesus um, slept on a couch. Well, <laughs> like what he's not like he yeah, might G uh, i don't know laid laid down on the tort floor of the torture chamber and said are we there yet yeah like, <laughs> right like of all the people who do saving in this story uh he's not even in the top three no so rick said my wife in a very normal way and then the daroga wants to speak to her and eric comes back with a swiftness and gives him a potion to drink 
absolutely trust a potion from Rick at this time, right. but says not to speak to my wife again or any <laughs> other person because doing so might prove very dangerous for everyone's health. Yeah, because he's super like, super regular, he's like, Christine, super Christine. Normal. And she's just like, oh, I'm so in absorbed in this book, I possibly cannot hear you. And he's like, get away from my wife. <laughs> <laughs> you can't help it it's so hard unfortunately that might be the title of the episode <laughs> well we get two episode titles hell here. yeah thereafter the person had confused memories yeah of course because you drank the potion like don't drink a potion dude like it's not an iced tea like it's we're in hell i'm not i'm not imbibing a thing that rick hands to me at this time or maybe i am because i'm like out of it and yeah you know passed out but it's here we go okay yeah i was right the persian was very weak and his yeah. he fell into a deep sleep like well yeah he he drugged both of them so they're gonna end up on the roof of the opera house like um the hangover <laughs> it's ridiculous so he drugs him and then he's he's in his own bed which um <laughs> someone someone carried him to his door which you know chivalry isn't dead for rick He's like, I'm going to drop off my ex-boyfriend at his house. Um, and so the Daroga's like, holy shit. He gets on the phone. He is like, Philippe, what happened? And they're like, girl, you won't believe this. Uh, Raoul's still no. missing and the Count is dead. R.I.P. Philippe de Chagny. He tried his you best. You stone cold fox. He was. He did his best. His body had been found on the bank of the lake under the opera on the Rue Scribe side. Or Rue Scribe. Uh. The Persian recalled the Requiem Mass when he heard when he was in the Chamber of Mirrors. He was sure the Count had been murdered, and there was no doubt about the identity of the murderer. Yeah, we know. Knowing Eric, he had no difficulty reconstructing the crime. <laughs> Convinced that his brother had eloped with Christine Daae, Philippe had set off in hot pursuit along the Brussels Road. He knew the route which had been meticulously planned, but failing to catch up with the pair, he had returned to the opera. He recalled the strange tales Raoul had told him about his superhuman rival. He learned that Raoul, <laughs> he learned that Raoul hunted high and low for a way into the underground levels of the theater, and finally that he had disappeared, leaving his hat in the diva's dressing room next to an empty pistol case. Firmly believing now that his brother was quite mad, the Count had gone after him into that infernal subterranean labyrinth. For the Persian, that was enough to explain the discovery of the Count's body on the banks of the lake, which was so well guarded by the Song of the Siren, Eric Siren, the gatekeeper of the Lake of the Dead. Oh, it's the Lake of the Dead now? It's the Lake of the Dead but now. But also, yeah. <laughs> What's your haunted house theme? Well, it's Lake of the Dead. So, Eric's, so Eric Siren is Eric, right? I think so. I'm, yes, because he came in soaking wet and said it was just raining really hard. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, no, you were in the lake drowning a man. Oh, my which God. We see him do this in the raining. 1925 version. Spoilers for The Phantom of the Opera 1925 oh starring God. Lon Chaney. So now, not before, but now the Persian's like, let me go to the police. Yeah. The Persian is a cop, but also the Persian with his whole chest says a cab at this point because... <laughs> And so does Gaston Leroux. Like he was deranged. everyone's just like, yeah. well, this guy fucking sucks. Like you thought Mafroid was bad. <laughs> this dumbass. The examining magistrate named Four was now in charge of the case, and it was on his door that the Persian knocked, and he literally thought he was crazy. And so that's where the Persian sits down in his glitter diary and starts writing. He says, "Do you want to hear the story about how me and this bitch fell out?" It's crazy, yep. but full of suspense. 
And then who makes a Seinfeld Kramer entrance but Rick? Oh my god. Darius is like, there's a visitor who won't give his name, won't show his face, and will not leave. <laughs> and that's Eric, baby. He's like, I fucking know who it is. It yep. was Eric, the Phantom it was of Eric. the <laughs> Thanks. He looked very weak and hung onto the walls as if he were afraid of falling. Okay, dramatic bitch. King. Um, but also, yeah, he pro- has he eat. He's probably not even eaten a single croissant. Like Mm-mm. he removed his hat, exposing a forehead which was like yellow wax. The rest of his face was covered by a mask. So the Persian doesn't say sit down and pop open a cold one. No, exactly. He's like, bitch, you killed Philippe, and he's like, no, come on now. He was already dead by the time I left my house. Before the siren sang, an accident. A terrible, regrettably sad accident. He was clumsy. He fell into the lake simply naturally. I mean, I'm sure he does have traps to make. King of the traps. Yeah. Maybe Eric didn't physically kill him, but I feel like Eric made some sort of device. That... I don't know. Sure. It's, it's Rick's fault. I think Rick's half fault. of this shit is like fucking booby traps. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Eric stumbles in like needing a fainting couch. <laughs> yeah. And the Persian immediately stands and goes, you murdered Count Philippe. What have you done with his brother and Christine Diet? <laughs> I didn't come here to and talk about just... Count Philippe is so funny. When you're frenemies, that's how it is. <laughs> Do not talk to me, Count Philippe. He's like, I, I'm I like going to the... die. Rick says what happened and the Persian yells, liar! Liar! <laughs> it's that part of Legally Blonde where she throws the candies. Unfortunately, this is hilarious. Persian's like, where are Raoul de Chagny and Christine Daae? I'm dying. Raoul de Chagny and Christine Daae. This is like when it's I'm like, like complaining they're... that I'm hungover and it's like literally you did this to yourself. Like we I'm not listening to this. It's Ferris Bueller energy. Cameron, you're not dying. You just can't think of anything good to do because <laughs> he calls uh, succession star Alan Ruck famously. No, but it really is because, like, Ferris is trying to talk about, like, what's going on in the day, and Cameron's just like, I'm dying. We'll link to that. Yes. But, Alan um, Ruck, not, <laughs> not Rick Energy in all things. They're just not on the same track. He's like, did you fucking kill them? And Rick's like, pulling focus. He says, I'm, I'm dying. dying of love. There it is. Mm-hmm. I loved her so much. There it is. I still do, Daroga. Loved her so much that it's killing me, I tell you. If you knew how beautiful she was when she'd let me kiss her willingly, she swore it on her hopes of salvation. It was the first time, Daroga, my very first time, you hear? I never kissed a woman before. She was alive, so alive, and I kissed her, and she was as beautiful as if she'd been dead. Uh, Totally normal way to describe that. Thank you, Eric. What do you mean? Yeah, and the Persians immediately like, okay, are you going to tell me if she's alive or dead. Why are you shaking Why are you... me like that? Said Eric, voice thick and slow. I told you, I'm the one who's going to die. Yes, I kissed her and she was so alive. Didn't Jeff Bezos call his mistress a live girl in like some emails uh, that leaked? I know, I know that everyone wanted to think of that. I hope not. Okay. But now she's dead? I tell her, I kissed her on the Rick- forehead. She did not shrink from my nearness. She's so pure. Is she dead? I don't think so. Though it's out of my hands now. Rick, this is not the most reassuring. No, she's not dead. And if I hear that anyone has harmed a hair of her head, she's brave and good. Did you know she saved your neck, Daroga, at a time when I wouldn't have given wouldn't have given a snap of my fingers for your damn Persian hide? 
No one was thinking about you. Sorry, Rick. No one was thinking about you. Sounds like someone who's thinking about them. <laughs> what were you doing there with that young oaf anyway? You were both going to die, but by God, she begged me to let her young man live. I told her if she turned yes, the scorpion Rick. and that she meant and that meant she'd agree to marry me of her own free will. Well, eh, debatable. I said you can only be engaged to one person at a time. That's what we're worried about, but no more which was no more than the truth, but you, Daroga, had ceased to exist. I repeat, you were nothing, and you were doomed to die with the other intruder. But listen well, Daroga, you were both yelling like men possessed. The water kept rising. Christine came to me, opened those beautiful blue eyes, be- beautiful blue orbs, and swore on her hopes of salvation that she would consent to be my living wife. Until that moment, I had always seen deep in her eyes that she would be my dead wife. <gasps> This is my first time I saw her as my wife while she still lived. Uh Uh-oh. My living wife. She meant it. She'd sworn on her hopes of eternal salvation. She wouldn't try to kill herself. Great. The bargain was struck. Within minutes, all the water had returned to the lake, and I was pumping you out, Daroga, though I really thought you wouldn't make it. But you did, and I'd agreed terms. I was to take you back to your apartment on the surface. When I'd got shot of you out of the Louis Philippe salon, I went back there alone. (sighs) A rich text. A rich text. First of all, absolutely haunted by, um, I'd always seen deep in her eyes that she would be my dead wife. Bro. He said he was going to make that coffin bigger. Or, I mean. That's true. It's pretty reasonable. Since he'd seen her bang her head against the wall and he's now overheard her say she carries scissors on her should he try to do an assault. Mm -hmm. It's, he, I'm sure he just assumes she's going to say yes and then kill herself. Absolutely. What did you do with the Viscount de Shaggy? Broke in the Persian. You must understand, Daroga. I had no intention of taking him up to the surface straight away. He was my hostage, but I couldn't keep him in the house by the lake either because of Christine. Yeah. So I locked him up safe and snug, chained him up. A whiff, snug? A whiff of Menzanderon opium had left him limp as a rag in the old communard's dungeon, which is the furthest, most deserted part of the opera cellar, deeper down than even the fifth level. No one goes there, and no one would hear any cries for help. Then I calmly rejoined cool. Christine. She was waiting for me. Cool story, dude. She was there, waiting for me, went on Eric, who began to shake like a leaf, overcome by his memories, waiting for me, straight-backed, alive, like a real living bride, David's bridal, having staked her hopes of salvation. <laughs> when I walked towards her, shyer than a little boy, she did not turn away. No, she stayed where she was. She waited. I even think to Roga that she, just a little, but just like a living bride, that she even held her forehead out to me to kiss. And I kissed her. I did that. And she did not die of disgust. And then, as though it were the most natural thing in the world, she stayed at my side after I'd kissed her. Just like that, on her forehead. Oh, how wonderful it is, Daroga, to kiss another person. You cannot imagine it. <laughs> okay, but I can. My own mother, my poor wretched mother, never let me kiss her. She would turn away and make me put my mask on. Nor did any other woman. Not ever, ever. Not once. You do understand, don't you? Such happiness. I wept. I went down on my knees, tears streaming down my face. I cried and I kissed her pretty feet. Ah, you are weeping, Daroga. She wept too. My angel wept. I We will have to link to actor, phantom actor Ethan Freeman reading the tr- one of the translations of this passage aloud mm. on, on Danny's yeah. on Danny's show because it, it really is quite something. Eric is so extra. I like that he makes time to note that she had good posture at this time. Right, thank but, you so much. Okay, a lot of the versions actually don't retain 
the part where it's Christine saying, yes, I'll be with you. That makes him start to have a feeling. And I mean, okay. In the musical, she kisses him on the mouth, but like the kiss is very important. I don't know. I just think that for all the things people complain about, there's some major points of the Lloyd Webber musical that make it one of the more faithful adaptations. That is true. I know we've seen some crazy oh, and the whole, kisses. My, hmm? my mother, my poor wretched mother yeah. never let me kiss her. Yeah, because in the musical, he says, my, a mask, my first unfeeling scrap of clothing. I forget where he references his mom, but he does do it. And it's text-based. It is text-based. Yes. Uh, he says, a face which earned my mother's fear and loathing. A mask, my first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We've seen this play. Mm. We've seen this musical a normal amount of times. Um, yeah, that's and really yet I interesting. I still forgot the order of the words, but. Yeah, there's, so, there's like, a lot Rick's of. Yeah. Crying. yeah, there's a lot of really interesting things, too, about like. Eric's mother, a lot of really interesting fan fiction written about Eric's mother exploring these ideas. Sometimes she's a total monster. Sometimes she's like these, you know, very nuanced um, takes. I'm working on my own nuanced take. We will fucking see if I land the plane. But, you know, it's interesting to think about the other people that were involved in this. Like, yeah, he had a mother, presumably he had a father um, who who ditched, I believe. Um, but, you know. And we clarify... Rick is sobbing. The Persian is sobbing. Yeah, everyone's fine. I would have appreciated a vibe check on Darius personally, but that's just me. Oh, Daroga, <laughs> I felt her tears fall onto my forehead. Hot tears, sweet tears. Her hot tears ran down inside my mask. They ran into my eyes and mingled with mine. They trickled onto my lips. Her tears on me. Listen, Daroga, to what I did. I tore off my mask so that I wouldn't waste a single one of her tears. Okay, Twilight Corner. There is a scene in Not Twilight, but Midnight Sun, which is Twilight told from Eric's <laughs> point of view. Have I read the 800-page book? Eric? Uh, no. Is Eric the name of the male protagonist in Twilight? <laughs> Cancel me. <laughs> Cancel me, internet. Edward. <laughs> Edward Cullen tells the story of Twilight. And there is a cursed passage that sticks with me where he she <laughs> cries at some point or she's like crying and this psycho bitch takes her tear and tastes it and there is a whole page about how because like he's a vampire <laughs> i'm so sorry because he's a vampire he can't like you can't ingest things that aren't blood so he's not gonna be able to digest this tear so there will <laughs> always be her tear in his body mingling with his horrible form and unfortunately <laughs> eric in the phantom of the opera 1909 walked so edward cullen 2005 could run <laughs> we're done i'm stuck. cancel me <laughs> i'm so sorry okay but so also... he's crying <laughs> no i love it i love it we need it that's what this the what is the podcast if not tangent corner perseverance she wept her tears on me with me. We wept together. Almighty God, you gave me all the joy the world can offer. Eric collapsed, gasping onto the chair. I'm not ready to die just and at yet. This point, <laughs> Let at me this cry. point, I said, baby boy, aloud at my workplace as I read it again. Absolutely. Um, he's just like me for real. I'm not ready to die just yet, but the time will come soon. Until then, let me cry. I, I'm, I love him because he's like... I'm going to die and let me cry if I want to. It's my yeah. party and I'll cry if I want to, says Rick. It's my party and I'll die if I He's... want to. 
Because he doesn't immediately die. It takes a while for him to die. Um, she takes him by the hand. From that moment, I was a faithful dog, ready to die for her. That is exactly what I was. In my hand, I had a ring, the same gold ring I had once given her, the one she'd lost and I had found, a wedding ring. I slipped it under her tiny hand and said, here, take this. It's for you and for him. Let it be my wedding present to you both, a present from poor, unhappy Eric. I know that you love the boy. Don't cry. In her gentle voice, she asked me what I meant, and I explained. And she saw at once not only that I was just a poor dog ready to die for her, but also that she could marry her young man whenever she liked because she had wept with me. Oh, Daroga, as I said those words, it was as if I had cut my own heart into pieces. Cut my heart into pieces. Uh, <laughs> she had wept with me, and she had said, poor, unhappy Eric. That was cut out of text, though, and I think it's important. What? Um, I mean, most of it was in there, but that it felt like he was cutting his heart into pieces was not in there, and her oh. last delivery of poor unhappy Eric How was dare not them. in there. At some point, I think she says it. The whole time this man is telling this story and being like, my heart is breaking, this fucking sucks, I'm dying, the Persian is not looking at him because he can't look at him. Because he just can't take how horrible his face is. So he's just looking at the tree line of the gardens across well, yeah, the way. He's had, he's had the mask on, but now he has to take it off. Yeah. Then I went and released the boy and took him back to where Christine was waiting. I saw them kiss in the Louis Philippe room. Okay. Uh, Christine had my ring on her finger. I had made her swear that when I was dead, she would come one night through the gate in the Rue Scribe and secretly bury me with the gold ring, which she was to go on wearing until that time. I told her where she would find my body and what she was to do with it. Then she kissed me for the first time here on the forehead. Don't look, Daroga. My forehead. No, don't look, Daroga. And they left together. Christine had stopped crying, and I cried on alone. Daroga, if Christine keeps her promise, it won't be long before she comes back to the house by the lake. Okay, I'm just going to say that his claim that he gave the ring to them as a gift... There's some not even fine print attached to that that makes me... It's not a great gift, like, as far as wedding gifts no, go. She like, has to wear it until he dies. Like, and then come back and bury him. Which and put I the just, ring on like, him and then bury him. Morticians are, like, formally trained and stuff. Um, Christine is just an opera singer. Like, she's not trained as a mortician that we know of. I mean, six feet under AU, but... Also, how um, is she going to do this? Anyway. But... <laughs> The Persian is like, okay, no member of the human race who heard what was said that night could have doubted the weeping Eric's word. So I do know some, I know some people who are like, it's an unreliable narrator. So I think it's a dark ending and he killed them. Mm, I kind of, I mean, we, mm. I don't speak French, so I don't know how this is in French, but I kind of think that if, if all the versions were contrary to what was like a very clear ending in the French, then that would have been like pointed out. And since in, I think in every version, except for fucking love never dies, right. spoilers for love never dies, 2000 something. Since in every version, she like doesn't die and is let go by him. I tend to think that the intent of the story is that, yes, that is what happened. That's just me. Yeah. I'm just thinking about I have to write a Halloween one shot for like the fandoms doing like a thing. I'm just trying to trying to think of ideas. That's interesting that like I have heard that, but I forgot about it. Like that. Yeah. People <clears throat> do think that like they were killed and he's just like bullshitting. But like also this man is like crying and like he he does cry a lot, but he's not like 
I don't know. I don't think he would do that for this. There's a reason that people also say, like, I'm sorry. When, like, when us in the fandom say, like, have y'all heard of the fucking Phantom of the Opera sequel? Like, their regular people will go, what? Because it does not make sense. Because that doesn't need... No. It. Um, Okay. No, the story is complete. So Eric puts his mask back on and he's like, I'll repay Mm -hmm. you for the service he had once done him, which is um, certainly a thing to say. And he's like, I'm going to send you all my possessions, Christine's papers, which contain her account of her ordeal. Um, So she had a little bullet journal thing going, um, which she had meant for Mm -hmm. Raoul, but had left with Eric with uh, handkerchiefs, pair of gloves and a buckle from one of her shoes. Very specific. Don't like the buckle thing. Uh, And he's like, they immediately had found a priest. They immediately got married. They went to the Garde Nord, which I went to recently. It is fine. Oh, Um, that is the that is the train, the train station in Paris and took took a train north. Cannot be more specific than that. And he said um, when he gets the relics, if he could inform if the Persian could inform Christine and Raoul of Eric's death by putting a thing in the newspaper. Yeah. Eric ends as fucking dramatically as he's done every single thing in this book. Yes, he gets into a cab and he goes, take me to the opera. The cab disappeared into the night. The Persian had seen poor, unhappy Eric for the last time. Three weeks later, the Epic published this brief announcement. Eric is dead. (laughs) I love him. The epilogue. All right, so so ends the true story of the Phantom of the Opera. As I observed on the first page of this book, no one can doubt the reality of Eric's existence. Um, recently, just so everyone knows, in the fandom, recently we got into an argument in the discourse um, about people who really think he was real. Um, he wasn't. Oh, this is a fiction story. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> too much irrefutable evidence is yeah. now so generally available that virtually anyone's in a position to follow Eric's exploits and their role in the Shagney affair. I just love, I love this book and how committed he is to the bit. And that bit is like investigative journalism about like kooky, crazy banana things. Okay. And I found it. I found my passage. Do it. It's actually at the beginning oh. of the epilogue. Perfect. Um, so yeah, he's like, there is no re- need to recapitulate here. Well, he's going to do it. Yeah. He, he does it. But it's like, hey, what happened to them? Where did they go? This is what Coward says. One day they had got on a train which took them from the north from the Gare du Nord. Perhaps one day I too might take a train from that same station and go prospecting around the lakes of Norway or silent Scandinavia in search of perhaps the still living traces of Raoul and Christine and of Madame Valerius too. For she also disappeared around the same time. Hmm. Perhaps one day I shall hear the solitary mountains of the north of the world echo with the voice of one who had known the angel of music. Hmm. Good. Great stuff. But I... There were just some things about the original, the the version that I read that always really grabbed me. Why has my computer frozen being silenced? Okay. They took the train one day from the northern railway station of the world. Possibly I too shall take the train at that station one day and go and seek around thy lakes. Oh, Norway. Oh, silent Scandinavia. For there perhaps still living traces of Raoul and Christine and also of Mama Valerius who disappeared at the same time. Possibly someday I shall hear the lonely echoes of the North repeat the singing of her who knew the angel of music. Mm. And it could totally just be the 
her who knew the angel of music but i that was one of the phrases that really stuck with me so i like the o silent scandinavia me too me too it's just a bit more poetic in that part and i really i liked it uh conspiracy corner did it eric kill madame valerius too (laughs) did he kill all of them and they're all fucking dead but also interesting like like Maybe one day all two take that train north, and it's like, is that a euphemism for dying? <gasps> like, is that wow. like, did they are they the jellical choice, and they had to take the stairway? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Remember when the movie cats got Thanos? They snapped. No, I just read. But yeah, I don't know. I, I don't my know. Favorite passages, and then we just go off the rails. You know, it's it's just they interesting. go off the rails. Who can say? It is interesting. No, yeah, it's. I, people say it's not that deep, but what if it is? What, what if, if it is? It's it is. ambiguous at the very least. Um, and so the shitty, the unintelligent handling of this case by the <laughs> worst cop in history. Um, case was closed. They're just like the brother did it, which like honestly, like fine, whatever. And he's like, well, I just wanted to, um, you know, I wanted to investigate it. And only one popular newspaper with a keen ear for backstage gossip had actually gone so far as to state the monster was the fan of the opera. I mean, I think Meg is writing into to newspapers. Anyway, <laughs> the only truth... The You're only, about to get a sighting. <laughs> the truth was, I know, the truth is only known to the Persian. But having been turned away once by the police, he had never again attempted to repeat the experience after Eric's visit. Yeah, he had all the evidence, and he kept him informed. Um, basically, like, the Persian was there to, like, help him out. He's the one who showed up to Mr. Poligny when the poor man was more or less <laughs> on his deathbed. So there, those clowns are back. <laughs> I had no idea. Imagine you're literally dying, yeah. and someone's like, hey, I want to talk about the Phantom. He's like, no, I no. don't want to talk about, are you from HR? Leave me alone. God. <laughs> Yeah, stared at me as if I were the devil incarnate. Yeah, because you showed up to talk about workplace drama as he's dying. Right. Dude. <laughs> he thought it was the voice of God, and then Eric was like, okay, but I just need, like, $20,000. And he's like, oh, no, it's not the voice of God. I see now. Um, but they literally thought that they were, like, scamming each other. And he doesn't even include the Phantom in the second part of his um, his memoir. Uh, what's the memoir that Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote, Unmasked? Yes, and it cuts off right at the, like, Phantom part, like, when Phantom is just opened, and also it specifically says they taught they thought about changing her name to Kristen, but said it was, like, he thinks it's a dumb name. Wow. Like, Andrew Lloyd Webber personally said that I'm a fop, actually, so. He's like, I hate you. But yeah, he, like, yeah. includes the Phantom stuff in the part one, and then part two, he's like, I actually can't get into it um because i got all the money back right yeah which that shit is hilarious i'm i'm excited to talk about with regard to the fan giving the money back with regard to the phantom of the opera wrote ma charman certain of whose fanciful exploits i recalled at the beginning of these memoirs i have only one thing to add and it is this with one fine gesture he deemed all of the trouble he caused my friend and co-director husband and I cannot deny it myself. Mm-hmm. I assume that he eventually realized that a joke can be carried too far. Okay. What <laughs> What a time for Rick to say, 
to be JK. overcome with great Natasha Romanov energy and say, I have read in my ledger, I'd like to wipe it out. He closed his tab. Imagine Rick closing his tab. He's like, like sure. Sure. Especially when it involves large amounts of cash and a high-ranking police officer. A few days after the disappearance of Christine Daae, at the very time which we had arranged to meet with Mr. McFroyd in our office and were about to tell him the whole story, there on Richard's desk we found a large envelope. On the outside, the following words had been written in red ink. With the compliments of the P of the O, inside it were very substantial sums, which he had temporarily and amusingly managed to extract from the director's strongbox. Richard immediately took the view that matters should be left there and no further action taken. I agree yep. to enjoy Richard's to en- endorse Richard's point of view. All's well that ends well. Don't you agree? The mysterious P of the O. He probably doesn't, but okay. <laughs> no, that's so funny. But it's also very sad because he he did that blackmailing for her. And now that she's she he doesn't need the money. What does he need of 20,000 francs a month? He was going to buy her a house. Uh, we're brain rotted at this point. I'm so sorry. Um, Alexa plays somewhere that's green from Little Shop of Horrors. I still have to watch that. I am the worst. Um, Moshaman and Richard both thought it was each other still. Um, yeah. Which is annoying. And, and then, of course, the narrator is like, hey, you know what we didn't explain? How did the phantom purloin the 20,000 francs? And so he asks the Persian when he's got him in the interview, um, when he's doing and the Oprah. Get it in one more time. Yeah, when he's doing the Oprah Meghan Markle interview. Yeah. I bore in mind that Eric was not known as the master of traps for nothing. Say <laughs> it. Thank you. It can't be said enough. I love it. Exactly. Master of traps, king of the traps, trapdoor lover. It's it's like when the single gets released and all the different versions are like on there. There's five different variations on just uh, Rick exerting dominance over the traps, and that's exactly right. Exactly. Um, the reader <clears throat> is also entitled to know the Persian's narrative, Christine's paper, the statements given to me by those who served da, 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 by Little Meg. That's I know that's right. Little Meg, Madame Jury has died. Yeah. Um, rip to the queen la sorelli <laughs> retired we stand i hope that she got a nice life insurance policy out of philippe but i know she did not but she retired yeah yeah and so he's like nope here's all the information da, 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 da. we know that meg is a baroness uh a queen we love it uh if you want to read a good story where meg is a baroness you should read unsung by wheel of fish uh, uh-huh. Very good uh-huh. fan fiction by our dear, excellent, dear friend, Leela Fish. That and A Stroll on Sunday, the first fan uh. fa- fanfics I read as an adult. And you know what? Even if it hadn't been the pandemic, they're they're worth reading. Exactly. This is fucking hilarious. He's like, I haven't found the entrances to the house on the lake. Eric destroyed them. Sure. I really think we could find it if the lake were drained. Yes. And I keep asking the Ministry of Fine Arts about it. Okay, bestie, they're not doing that shit. They're doing the Ministry of Fine Arts, or like the government's doing like the Parks and Rec, like they have to have the open forum and every single time Gaston Leroux narrator is there and he's like, hi, I am here with my plan to drain the lake. I really think we could find the Loch Ness Monster if we just drained Loch Ness. (laughs) And it's like now I'm no. picturing him explaining all of this to Ron Swanson. Exactly. <laughs> they find the no. tunnel. Yeah. 
everyone's written their initials in there and there's mm-hmm. an carved their initials in there and there's an RC. Well, okay, but what would he have carved it with? Like the butt of his gun or right. I don't know. How long was he in there? He was tied up. Okay. I like this part a lot. Finally, I can say to the reader without fear of contradiction, visit the opera one of these days. Ask to be allowed to wander around alone without some ignorant tour guide. Go into box five. Gaston Leroux said become ungovernable. He says the tour guides are idiots. Mm. Don't listen to them. Wander around loose and free. He he wants you to. Here's the thing. Thanks, Gaston, because (laughs) the fucking box five is locked. And I feel like it's probably because of this part. Because, <laughs> yes, yeah, I got to go into some boxes when I visited, but not box five, because they, they're like, please. I really want to know what happened to make them lock box five down, and if it happened before musical or after musical. I want to know this. It was probably before. I don't know. We'll have probably, to look but Who was wilding before, though? I, I just, I'm curious. The gothic girlies. Um, hey, Kristen, guess what? <laughs> There's room what? there's room enough for two men in the column. <laughs> of course there are. So just saying He sees Dick Shady's man-sized cabinet and raises him <laughs> an empty column with space for two men. Oh my god. Um yeah, it looks like solid marble, but he was just in there. Yeah. So that kinda explains a lot of things. He explains that. Um it just represents one small part of what being what a being as colossal and phenomenal, I know that's right, as Eric, must have secretly mm-hmm. built mm-hmm. inside an edifice as monumental as the Paris Opera House. Still, I would exchange <laughs> all its remaining hidden mysteries for one particular discovery I was privileged to make in his presence in the director's office. Only centimeters from his desk chair, I found a panel no longer than a wooden floor block or a man's forearm, a flap which closes like the lid of a chest through which I could imagine a hand appearing and skillfully rummaging through the dangling tails of a man's evening dress coat. And that's how the 40,000 francs had been purloined. to fruition. Yes. He reached into the ludicrously, ludicrously capricious bag and rummaged to fruition. Exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm great. <laughs> I don't believe for a moment that Eric needed the money, said the Persian. Considering himself to be beyond the human pale, he was not constrained by moral scruples and used the immense gift of dexterity and imagination which he had received from nature to compensate for the appalling disfigurement with which he had been afflicted. He used his talents to exploit people. Yeah, we know. His schemes, though sometimes devised and executed with the flair of an artist, usually made him a profit. If he had returned the 40,000 francs to Monsieur Richard and Marchamont of his own accord, it was because he no longer needed the money. He had given up all thought of exactly. marrying Christine Daae. He wanted nothing more to do with that life at ground level could offer. Mm. And this is something you have wondered about during consistently during our reading of this. Like, what yes. made him decide to live underground? And, no, I like that they're like, oh, was he just giving back the money to be nice? And they're like, no, he wasn't nice. He just didn't have a use for it. Yeah, he's like, this is um, taking up space in my horrifyingly gauche apartment. But uh, yeah, he's like, humanity won't let me live in the world. So sorry, I'm not filling out a fucking W-2. I'm gonna take it. <laughs> no. What is the one where you get like, uh, when you get like the random money or like a gift money? Is it like a, a 1000 T1000 or something? That's what he has to fill out because it's like he keeps getting these gifts of money. Um, now we get a little lore, which I thought was fascinating because we uh-huh. literally 
this book really is giving us everything. So this man was, he was born in a small town in Ru near Rouen. He's the son of a builder. He runs away from home at an early age because um, his parents hated him. He goes, he does the freak shows. Um, Bill does the living corpse. He travels throughout Europe with a group of travelers um, with whom he completed his education as an artist and magician. Sure, why not? Makes sense, I guess. Um, then he... Then follows a blank phase of his life and the people who write fanfics say, let me just crack my knuckles real quick. There's one called Voltage that's really, really good that talks about his circus time, so... He's... He makes a big impression. He had learned to sing like no one else had ever sung before. <laughs> Work. He's a big ventriloquist. Yeah. He is a, he does close up magic. Um and there meanwhile, the young Sultana who is in Persia is the or the favorite wife of the Shah was super bored and she's like, you know what could really spice up my life is a close up magician. And so she hears oh. about him. Let's talk this through. So he's in France, somehow ends up in Russia, in Persia, simply no internet, nothing like no, that. No, eventually like, she finds out. Guy. Yeah. Rick, Rick invented going viral. So yes, I just think that he. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, the Persian has to like investigate him, kind of do a little background check to see what the deal is and see if we can hire him. Um, <laughs> so he goes and finds his ass. Again, a great fic I will definitely link in the um, show notes is Shiny's fic, Shiny Fire's fic, which is all about him finding him and being like, this guy is crazy, but also I kind of like him. The Persian uh, finds him, brings him back to Persia, where for several months, as we say in Europe, he ruled the roost. He used his power to commit a number of atrocities. <laughs> <laughs> so he's a what is that a poor little meow meow who commits atrocities <laughs> for he seemed to have forgotten the difference between good and evil he participated in several elegantly planned political assassinations with the same cool calculations he brought of course to turning diabolical inventions of his own creation against the emir of afghanistan who was then at war with persia the shah took to him it was now that we can place the rosy hours of mazandaran to which the Persian's narrative has given us some idea. Knowing that Eric had a very particular ideas we know about architecture and thoughts of palaces the way magicians think of <laughs> trick cabinets with false bottoms, the Shah commanded him to design and construct a building just along those lines. Eric obliged, and the result was apparently so ingenious that His Highness could walk through every part of it without being seen and disappear without ever anyone knowing how. That's annoying. <laughs> now master of this gem, yeah, the no. Shah then behaved towards Eric the way Asar had once treated the brilliant architect of the church in Red Scare in Moscow. He ordered the yellow eyes to be put out. But then he thought, even if Eric were blind, he could still build the palace no less amazing for another monarch. At the very least, as long as Eric was alive, someone would know the secrets of this fabulous palace of tricks. So he decided that he and all the laborers who had worked under Eric's orders would have to be put to death. The Daroga of Mazandaran was ordered to carry out this odious, odious dictate. Eric had done him a Enemies to love. I know, that's crazy. He has to kill him and then he's like, ah and then they like But they also how would this how would this man have succeeded in killing Rick? How would most people have succeeded in killing Rick? Exactly. Like, he has a ring doorbell. He invented it. Th this was crazy. 
Eric had done him a few good turns in the past and often provided him with excellent entertainment. Jesus. These are his reasons for I can't kill him, actually. Yeah, <laughs> let's read between the lines. Reason. A lot of fan fiction reading between those lines. Um, so he helps him escape. They find another body that's, this like, really so... gross. Um, and they, like, they fake his death. They decomposed corpse in his clothes. I'm sorry. It's so disrespectful. You know, they, made, they, they, they worked with what they had. Yes. Um macgyver you know exactly um eric ends up in constantinople Constantinople. um no and so uh he's building in some fucking trap doors he's still doing what he's doing which is bad he's building robots eric invented cylons and robots eric invented battlestar galactic no but i'm like no. please i i need to learn about the history of automatons i had an, a volume of apocalyptic short stories that had a really cool version about old-timey automatons but it also had like supernatural stuff in it and i feel that for the most part that like this book has explained that nothing is supernatural it's all practical magic so i just want to know how eric rick was making robots realistic enough to be confusing in this time exactly um yeah we really lean into the robots unfortunately spoilers for love never dies london (laughs) 2011 or whatever but um in that version he builds a christine fuck robot and she it's just the worst anyway uh, it goes without saying that he was eventually forced to leave the sultan's service for the same reason he had to leave persia he knew too much and so he leaves exactly. and then he's like, I just want to be regular. I'm too famous. He's like, I'm Timothy Chalamet, basically, of Europe. I would like to just be a regular guy. Um, and so he is like, I'm going to build. I'm going to be a builder. He tried to do the W2 thing. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, but I can go to a job interview. Okay. I can attend training, OSHA training. And so he becomes a subcontractor. <laughs> which is so funny um and he starts laying the foundation for the new paris opera house and he's like huh seems a downright shame that there's all this stuff yeah he's like no one wants to look at me my life is hard ain't no one else trying to set up shop here it's like all the like yeah it's like yeah he's like i could just live that we know of Right, that we well, yeah, spoiler, like, more people are coming. Yeah, but... there's like a lot of people. That's like a major like retirement community. <laughs> Eric lives on the lowest level, apparently. Mm. And he's like, What if we just <laughs> did this? So he dreams of building a house unknown to the rest of the world where he could live hidden from the eyes of men. Um, because also he tasted the like harshness of like like going to a nine to five and like making minimum wage he's like oh clocking I in see and out now. is simply not for rick no yeah, no no and he's no. like 30 dollars a day um imagine doing a like a, re- a yearly review for rick <laughs> you'd like... be like okay you have a he, he would be frustrated they wouldn't like him because he'd have too many ideas and they'd be like we pay you to lay this brick down um we don't pay you to be the architect and he'd be like i built a maze of mirrors with a shah of persia and they'd be like we don't care and we also think you're lying he would be the worst at like the water cooler yeah he's not no he he doesn't bring food to the function he's not a team player no he's not not going to like i think we can all say that it's beverly's birthday in the break room we have to go to like eat like cake with no forks and like water and he's like i'm not doing this (laughs) 
There's more to he life. He doesn't participate this. in Secret Santa. No. It's not. No, he hates icebreakers. Um, uh, so anyway, so then, then that's kind of where we catch up. So he builds the house under the earth and he's like, this will be fine. I think this is really going to work for me. And so then Gaston LaRoe says, you know, or can guess the rest. Poor unhappy Eric. Should we feel sorry for him? Should we damn him? All he ever wanted was just to be like everyone else, but he was just too ugly. He was forced to choose between hiding his genius or wasting it, performing tricks, whereas with an ordinary face, he might have been as noble a man who ever lived. He had a heart big enough to hold the whole world, but in the end, he had to make do he... with a hole in the ground. Did you hear Isis? No. She said absolutely the fuck not. She's like, no. <laughs> so uh, he says, surely the Phantom of the Opera deserves all our sympathy. Um, yeah, so I just recently watched Tangent Corner. I recently watched um, Chevalier, which is not a great movie, but yes, it was really interesting. Um, the topic, it made me, it was like, you know, reading a Philippa Gregory book and wanting to get more into the into the characters. But um, he was a son of a slave owner and a slave. So he was um, biracial in the 1700s in France. His father paid for him to go to school in France. And he was one of the most accomplished people in the world. But because he was biracial in this time, like he, there were so many accounts of him just being like, or about him being like, if he wasn't in this situation, like he would be literally like, he was already, he already soared pretty high, like, despite like, Mm -hmm. all of the discrimination. But like, if he hadn't, like, he was literally like, so, so, so accomplished. And like, people said, like, he was like the most accomplished man in Europe, which is like crazy. And they, he did all this, like, stuff. But he was literally, yeah, performing tricks, like, his whole life, too. So it was very um, Eric-adjacent. Um, I stood over his remains, and despite all his crimes, I prayed that God would have mercy on his soul. Why did God allow any man to be so ugly as Eric? Oh, yes, I'm sure, quite sure, that when it... Oh, Isis. Isis is like, please. It's like when End you've been it. in the car with your family for a long trip yeah. and like <laughs> the house is just like five minutes away and you're like, I'm going to die if you don't let me out to go to the bathroom. She's like, okay. I'm stretched. <laughs> I'm quite sure it was his body I prayed over that day when it was dug out of the ground at the very spot where the photographic records of living voices were being buried. It was his skeleton. It wasn't the ugliness of the skull that told me it was him. For when people have been dead for as long as that, they're all ugly. It was the plain gold ring he was wearing. Christy and I must have slipped it on his finger when, as promised, he had come to put him in his last resting place. Good for her. Jesus, I would not be able to do that. Right. And also, I have a hard time believing Raul would co-sign that. But also, she does what she wants. No. One thing about Christine Dye, she does what she wants. The skeleton was found not far from the spring where, when he first dragged her down into the darkness below the stage, the angel of music had held the unconscious uh, Christine Dye in his trembling arms. And now, what is to be done with the skeleton? Will it be thrown into the common grave? This is my view. The proper place of the Phantom of the Opera is in the archives of the National Academy of Music. It is no ordinary skeleton. No ordinary skeleton. Bear, bear, bear. We did it. Wow. Can you hear her? I swear to God. Oh. Isis has never mewled this much during a podcast. I'm up here, goofball. She's so mad. Isis, we're done with it. How do you feel? Speak. Okay, I've literally placed you in front of the mic and you're not speaking. She's like, this is unbelievable. Sweet girl. Okay, I felt like that was a little soft focus, like Vaseline on the lens drawn over the flashback to him 
abducting Christine after he had drugged her because she struggled violently and screamed. Like his trembling arms, like, bro, right. I'm sure that you were nervous, but you were right to be nervous. I just, I thought that was a little bit funny, but that is the story of Rick. That's the original story of Rick. That is the story feel? of Rick. Vibe check. Oh man, listening to it, I was so sad. I was like, am I going to cry at the Phantom of the Opera, 1909? He died of love. Died of love. And probably malnutrition, but of love. Yeah. (laughs) I, she's, this is a regular behavior for my cat. You can't see her, but she's, she's a really a noble pose on, on the camera at this time. She's like, I noticed that you're still recording. You finished the fucking story. Why? And I had to put you on my lap because you kept meowing, didn't you? Can you love any of the versions of Rick Isis? She's like, Sorry, no, no, I only like Tombstone 1982. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Isis loves dad cinema. But oh yeah, God. that has been the Phantom of the Opera. We have been two dizzy broads talking about the Phantom of the Opera. Oh my goodness. I can't believe we journey. got here. What a journey. I That was so good. I, is, I don't know why I didn't think it was going to be as good as it was. This is all also like yesterday, I believe, was we're just about a year out from when it announced it was closing. Yeah. And shortly after that, we did our first record. So Aww. Alexa, play Good Riddance by Green Day. And we stuck to a deadline, which is crazy. Kind of. (laughs) Kind of, yeah. We weren't great about it, but we weren't, you know, we kept it fun. And yeah. Um, Next, you know, sound off in the fucking comments, people. We're also on Instagram. Next, we could do a lot of things. There are a lot of phantom texts that are important Mm -hmm. and good. We're not going to read fan fiction, but we will read... If it if it was published and yes. it's not like I don't know. I mean, we're not like famous, but I would never want to punch down. So even if it was like a really successful fanfic, I, would, no. I wouldn't Um We could do we can do Phantom of Manhattan by Frederick Forsyth, um, my least favorite Angel book of all of time. Opera. And we could Angel do the opera by Sam Siciliano, oh. not problematic at all. You do the young phantom by David Coward, the translator of this. And we could do I'm trying to think if there's Susan K's Phantom. Really? Yeah, I was like, what on earth? Maybe from 1990 could we do someday? But yeah, there's. Let us know. And do we have anything else for the people at this time? Um, no, I don't know. There's no Phantom it- Corner. Oh, I'm gonna go to the Broadway flea market next weekend. Yes. Um, probably have already happened by the time this thing comes out. But I will be looking for merchandise from the Phantom of the Opera um, to send to Kristen, hopefully in an embarrassingly huge box. Um, so I will definitely be doing that. Might see Sweeney Todd this weekend, next weekend. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. And then that's kind of my phantom corner. But, you know, if you if you see me at the Broadway flea market, mind your business, because uh, <laughs> my energy is going to no, be crazy. <laughs> yeah. No, you didn't. Yeah, I don't know. Do you have anything? No, just uh, to our listeners, thank you so much. It's yes. been really fun to recap this. And we came up with the idea for it right before we knew the show was closing. But it's been, for me, it's been kind of a special way to say goodbye to the show. Mm. I mean, not yeah. that, I mean, it'll not come that we back, ever but stop. I don't know. But this has been very fun. Uh, if you like it, recommend it to a friend, you know. 
it 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 really works as a standalone. I would say our fan of the opera series, regardless of what we do next. So yes, uh, yeah. Thank you to our listeners. Absolutely, and we'll keep you up to date. You know, make sure you smash that subscribe button. Um, yeah, I feel like in like we two months we'll like post something new or whatever. But yeah, follow us on Instagram. We'll be back because yeah. TikTok, we do have a TikTok. I will make something for the TikTok. I will. Yeah, you Olivia gotta start Rodrigo making. Just dropped a new album. Exactly, so. you gotta start making some fan edits. Um, I mean, while we're here, I'm Box Five intern on a lot of platforms, unfortunately. So you can see some of my horrifying memes and edits uh, there. I've made a very troubling amount of supercuts of Hugh Panero doing stuff. So yes. um, if you like, you know, Savage by Megan the Stallion and you also like the family opera, you'll love Kristen's memes. Yeah. If you like Britney Spears and men taking off capes, there's a three part series. And uh, unfortunately I'm not kidding. So yeah. how do we want to leave the people with a song? No. <laughs> All right. Thank you team. We love you. Bye. We're here for you. Bye. <laughs>